Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast, Gavin Shaw, Alex Wolf. Alex, somehow we, we made it four days into the month without having a mailbag. Insanity. Uh, we had to remedy that, so we're doing it right now. What are we going to get into? Yeah, normally we play that card way earlier because we love getting all these questions from people. In the first part of today's mailbag, we're going to get into a few questions. We got like some questions about some players that worked out for the Knicks today, so a little bit of mix of news and mailbag. Uh, we'll talk about what moves in draft and free agency would really make us irritated this year. We'll talk about how we would build a team using only players in this draft class and how that team would do or how we think that team would do. And talk about whether Jaden Ivey and trading up for him could maybe be more of a curse than a gift. So we'll get into that next on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team Every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. You are locked on Knicks, and today's episode is brought to you by Price Picks. Check out PrizePicks.com and use promo code NBA or go to your app store and download the app today. Price Picks is daily fantasy made easy. And who's talking to you? I'm Gavin Shaw, a play-by-play broadcaster. He is Alex Wolf, editor-in-chief of the Strickland, the greatest Knicks website out there. And we wanted to thank you for making Locked on Knicks your first listen today. And every day we are now available on all platforms, including, you guessed it, if you can see us right now, on YouTube. If you're listening on audio, maybe you didn't guess it, but then you should definitely go check us out on YouTube. Throw us a subscription, throw us a like, throw us some comments. We love all the interaction we can get. Speaking of which, Alex, we have some solicited interaction today. It's called a mailbag. Uh, where are we starting? Yeah, uh, this is a, a question from one of my faves uh, going by currently on Twitter. You what, mate? Uh, at Jax365, one of our faves from Over the Pond. Uh, so this one was directed right at me, but I'll, I'll let you answer too, Gavin. And this also gives us a little bit of, of a news dump for today. Uh, so Dyson Daniels worked out for the Knicks today, as well as Malachi Branham and Ty Ty Washington. So three players in the Knicks range. Uh, there might have been some other second round or so players involved in that workout as well, but we only heard about uh, Dyson, Malachi, and Ty Ty. And so Jax365 wants to know, so Alex, your and my son Dyson was working out for the Knicks because Jax and I are both huge Dyson Daniels fans. How does that make you feel? Well, uh, in short, it makes me feel good. I'm glad that they're interested in him. I feel like it was already pretty well known that they're interested in him uh, because he was, you know, he he said at the combine that the Knicks had uh, interviewed him and that it had went pretty well um, and that, you know, it seemed like they were fairly interested in him. I do worry a bit whether he's going to make it to them or not. Um, Ian Begley noted uh, today that Dyson Daniels said he has upcoming workouts with Indiana, Detroit, and Washington. That's three teams ahead of the Knicks. So, you know, do the math. He's apparently getting some top 10 buzz now. Um, I wonder a bit if some of these rumors about the Knicks wanting to trade up, if Daniels is a guy that they potentially look at as a guy worth trading up for. I don't know that they could do anything to get around like, Detroit or Indiana selecting him because I don't think they could get that high necessarily. And if you're going to get that high and then Daniels ends up getting taken, I, I feel like you could just take Shaden Sharp or Jaden Ivey or whoever else happens to fall. So 
Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm happy about Dyson interviewing or working out for the Knicks, I guess I should say. Uh, I think it's a good sign. I like that that's the type of player that they're interested in, but I, I still have my same worries that he might go before the Knicks. Yeah, I'm, I I think he's going to be gone is my gut feeling. He just, he, you know, it, it's this funny thing, right? When you first start falling in love with a draft prospect and and you almost, and this wasn't necessarily the case with Dyson, but I don't know, over the years, Alex, maybe you've experienced this too. It's happened to me a bunch where the guys like projected to go a few picks behind where your team of choice is picking. And you're, you're saying, well, maybe it'll be considered a slight reach, but I'm just in love with this dude. And then he slowly starts to move up and you're like, oh, amazing. He might actually end up on the team I want. But then it just keeps going. You're like, no, 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 no. Wait, 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 stop, stop. Everyone just stop talking to him. And then he just ends up going five picks ahead of you. I feel like that's where we're at with Dyson, right? Like he's he, he's overshot the New York Knicks. The, the, the flashes of athleticism, of skill level, the shot making down the stretch of the season. The dude just looks and acts and, and, and seems like a top 10 pick to me. And if the Knicks are lucky enough to get him, that'll be fantastic. But I'm, I'm with you. I think it'll take a move up. Um, I'm also interested in that Malachi Branham worked out for the New York Knicks. And I I wonder if they see him as someone who can come in and play immediately, given that production at Ohio State, given that efficiency that he flashed. I, I just I, I, I like now when the Knicks bring someone in that I like, because in, in years past, I was like, oh, I'm off the mark. This guy's going to suck. And now I'm like, oh, I figured it out. He's going to be really good. Yeah. Yeah. And then we'll just conveniently ignore the Ty Ty Washington part of that whole equation. I'm not, I wasn't going to comment on it. <laughs> yeah, we'll just leave that go. Uh, so we'll move on to the next question from Jax365, a very a very Jax first segment here. Uh, Jax wants to know, what moves in the draft and free agency this summer would you hate for the Knicks? So Gavin, I'll throw it to you first. Just one move in the draft and one move in free agency you would absolutely hate for the Knicks. Yeah, uh, in the draft, uh, Mark Williams, uh, Jeremy Wu of Sports Illustrated had him going there in um, his mock draft today. And it's not really anything against Mark Williams. I think potentially very solid NBA player. I just think if you're taking a center at pick 11, uh, and this was kind of the case that Jake Rosen made when he was on the podcast uh, both uh, this weekend and on Monday, that you need to take someone who's very scheme versatile. And that's what I like about someone like Jalen Duran, uh, who can cover on the perimeter and do a really credible job protecting the rim. And then an offense can rim run, but also at least flashes some some semblance of, of some passing and maybe down the road, a little bit of a mid range jump shot. And, and look, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not the world's grandest Mark Williams expert. Maybe he's flashed some of those things as well, but to me, he, he strikes me a little bit more in the Mitchell Robinson mold, but maybe not even as good as Mitchell Robinson. So that, that doesn't really, really get me going, but Alex, I'll, I'll throw that back at you. Give me, give, give me one in the draft that would, uh, would upset you. Yeah, I I think I'm pretty much on board with you. Like, if it was someone like Mark Williams, Ty Ty Washington, honestly, is a pick that I would not love because I just feel like the Knicks should be going for a different archetype than like Emmanuel Quickly, who they already have. I understand Ty Ty is not, you know, no two players are exactly alike, but there's enough similarities there where I'm like, why? Like, just why would you go for him when you already know you have Quickly on the roster? Um, other than that, I guess just like a colossal reach. Although even that, I would. I don't know. I'd almost be tempted to give Perrin the benefit of the doubt, but I also would just be like, well, is that like a missed opportunity to trade down a couple spots? But it seems like in the last few years, the Knicks have had a pretty good read on like who's going to go where. And, you know, like after they took quickly and it sort of bamboozled us a little bit, there was reports that he might've gone like the next pick or two to the nuggets, which honestly tracks because then they went after bones Highland the next year, uh, who's very similar to quickly same deal with, uh, 
with Quentin Grimes, there was reports that I, I think it might have been the Nuggets again. I think the Nuggets were involved like twice in these discussions where they were looking at uh, Grimes being like, oh, yeah, we're definitely going to take him at like pick 26 or whatever. And the Knicks slid in right where they had to to take Grimes. So, you know, they certainly have not been shy about moving around on draft night. So I guess if they did just suddenly decide to get shy about moving around and then make a reach, even if it's for someone like Mark Williams, if they determine like Mark Williams is the dude, uh, you know, I, I think that they should probably try to trade back as far as they think they can possibly get without losing out on him. Because I think to me, at least I would rather take someone, you know, in that situation, you're going to take a big, take like Atari Eason who projects to be more versatile, more switchy, that sort of thing than, than like a standard center. So I, I think that's where I'm at with that. Um, as far as a free agency move, I don't really know. I mean, I, I, I gun to my head. I don't even know like who's, other than like Brunson, who we talk about all the time, I don't know who like the big name free agents are this year, like Zach Levine, I guess. But yeah, I, I guess it would just be like if the Knicks went all out to I, Stein. I was thinking Colin Sexton was, was, was the name I was I was thinking in my head. Okay, and not, not yeah, even so- that. I, it wouldn't, I would just get a little bit of a, a queasy feeling if, mm-hmm. if, if they gave Colin Sexton five years because it could work, right? I mean, we 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 did the whole podcast with Chris Manning of Locked On Cavs, and he he talked me into the idea that. Sexton, like the the ball hogginess was a little bit overblown that he could potentially fit in, but I would have concerns of like you, you, you're almost bringing him in then to be your number one guy, and I think that and RJ, I just don't know how those two really jive together. I, I think it would be sort of a slippery slope, and it, w- it would sort of strike me as kind of an old Nick signing versus a, a forward thinking new Nick signing. Yeah, I I'm kind of in the same boat. Like I guess it's just. Don't overpay anybody and don't give up a ton. Like, I guess you could you could lump like a Donovan Mitchell trade into free agency as well, because that would take place during free agency in all likelihood. And if they like go all out and trade like the whole core, that would annoy me, you know, because I'd be like, this just isn't the right time. Like you're pulling the trigger at the wrong time here. Uh, so I think that's my my rough answer there. It's just don't do anything rash. Don't do it. I mean, I'm not even saying that last year they did anything that hamstrung them, but just like don't take the next step from last year and say like, Oh, last year wasn't enough. Let's give up everything to try to get back to the playoffs, you know, this coming year, because then I think you just put yourself in a situation like you were during the mellow years where you've given up so much that, you know, you have maybe your like star player, but you don't have enough capital or, you know, cap space or anything else to like build around that player. And then you just kind of get stuck in like low to mid seed territory for three, four years. And it's just, you know, it feels like a wasted opportunity and you don't get to see all these young players grow that you went ahead and drafted. So I, th- I think that's my my only thing that I really would take huge objection to. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. Um, with that, Alex, uh, I want to take a quick second uh, to tell everyone uh, a little bit about one of our sponsors. And that is, of course, Price Picks. Um, all right, NBA fans, are you looking for a daily fantasy option for the NBA? Then you need to try the award winning app Price Picks. Prize picks is daily fantasy and made easy. I love it, and we know you will too. You can pick two to five players and an over-under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. And it's just you versus the projected numbers. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Prize picks is safe and offers fast withdrawals. Use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Prize picks offers a variety of options. Prize picks offers any prop you can think of, from points scored to rebounds, even steals. 
Price Picks even allows mixed sport entries. So you could take uh, more goals by the New York Rangers or runs allowed by the New York Yankees. I don't know. Both are going to be pretty low because my favorite teams are doing great. And Price Picks doesn't just offer NBA. They have options on college basketball, college football, NFL, MLB, soccer, MMA, and more. So for a limited time, Price Picks has an exclusive no-brainer but offer for all of our users. Users get $50 for free if a player in your first Price Picks entry scores just a single point. But you must use code NBA. That's right. This is an exclusive offer available to Lockdown fans. Sign up today and use code MBA for fifty dollars for free. The player in your first prize picks entry scores a single point. All right, Alex, uh, I'm super excited to get into this next question. You, you and I were uh, we're, we're talking about a little little pre-show. One of the better questions we've gotten in a minute, and it comes from Ricky Rodriguez at r underscore rod eighty four, and he said, "If you could build an NBA roster with just this year's draft class, who would those players be?" And what would their record be at the end of the season? So uh, I, I have a feeling our, our teams are going to be pretty similar, but uh, who, who would you throw out there? Yeah, this is, this is kind of tough because this is like one of those years where there's not a, a tailor-made point guard prospect, you know, which we've already talked about, right? So that was the toughest part of this equation to me. And I think ultimately it would probably hold this team back. So I think if you build draft class 2022 team, they're going to struggle a bit with who's going to be initiating and stuff for the first year and who's going to be able to like really run the offense. And I think maybe that leads to you sort of tanking um, a bit like strategically and then maybe getting a chance to get like Scoot Henderson next year, who's like, you know, a, a maestro and, you know, will be like potentially one of those like high, high level point guard prospects that comes out every number of years. Uh, so, with that in mind, uh, I sought to sort of build in the starting lineup the best like point guard by committee that I could, or at least like ball handler initiator by committee that I could. So I did Jaden Ivey as the quote unquote one. Uh, you know, he's not really a point guard. And I know that a lot of people keep saying like the Knicks need to move up for him because he's a point guard. He's not a point guard. He's, he's a shooting guard who can, you know, do some stuff with the ball. Uh, Johnny Davis, same deal. Shooting guard who could do some stuff with the ball. So I think put two guys out there that can handle the ball, let them maybe develop their skills a bit. So I put Johnny Davis in there. Also, Johnny, I think gives you a really solid floor at that two spot, even if maybe the ceiling's limited or something, but you know, he's a guy we just talked about recently on, on the show. And we've been talking about a lot lately as a guy who could maybe in the Knicks range be a potential steal. Um, so, you know, if you throw him out there, see what you can get. Then the top three guys, Jabari Smith, uh, Paolo Bancaro and Chet Holmgren. I have as my three, four, five. Jabari, I think, maybe profiles to be a four throughout his career, more so than a three. But you and I were talking about his pre-show. I think he can guard those positions. So just throw him out there. He's a defensive menace. You know, have a super long lineup. Uh, Paolo might, you know, take the threes on some nights too, depending on who it is. But I think that gives you some versatility from three to five. Uh, And Paolo also has a little bit of that, you know, initiator and some passing chops and stuff like that in him. So maybe you can almost have him play sort of a Julius Randle role in a way, like good Julius Randle. Um, and then bench, I had A.J. Griffin for shooting. I think he's, you know, no matter what, I have some reservations about him, but I think that no matter what, he's going to be a good shooter. Uh, Keegan Murray, who I just think is going to be super productive uh, and might lead to some, uh, if we want to make another Knicks analogy, he might become the Obi Toppin where everybody starts begging for him to play more because he's so efficient and so awesome and scores so much and so easily. Uh, Tari Eason, just for his versatility as like a wing big type dude. Uh, Shaden Sharp, maybe he starts off really well in his rookie year. Maybe he takes some seasoning, but your team is literally all rookies, so you could take those chances. 
and uh, you know, just kind of have him develop along with these guys. Dyson Daniels, one of my favorites, who I think would be really, really versatile. Uh, Jalen Duran, because he's a more traditional big man prospect uh, that you could sort of throw out there, potentially even with Chet, do like a Twin Towers type lineup. Uh, but you know, I think just having it, the most talented, presumably, or at least best block of clay true center that you can get out of the draft. You may as well take him and throw him on this team and just see what happens. And then Benedict Matherin in my final spot. And these were in no particular order. I think they're all really valuable players. Um, I'll hold off on what my like win prediction is though. until you give your team, although I get the feeling it's probably pretty similar, probably be easier yeah. to just be like, who do you have that's different? <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I'll, I'll throw out my differences. Um, this was a late pivot, but I, I put in uh, Kennedy Chandler out of Tennessee as my starting point guard, because to your point, I, I initially had Ivy and Sharp in there and I was thinking, this, this would just be such a broken offense against NBA defenses, having no one who I, because Ivy again played off the ball mostly at uh, Purdue. You, you, you're already going to struggle with a team full of rookies, but if you don't have the one guy who is sort of that, that made from God point guard, then, then you're just, it's just going to be complete chaos. And it's going to be, you, you could feasibly have a 20, 30 game losing streak um, with that team of all rookies going against NBA competition. Maybe they all get hot one night. There's a lot of talent there. But I, I picked Kennedy Chandler. Maybe Andrew Nemhard would have been the better pick. But yeah, he was he was my one difference in my starting lineup. I really do think that front line of Smith, Bancaro, and Chet could work just because there's so much versatility and, and creativity there and a whole lot of passing. Uh, I think Chet gets underrated as a passer a lot. Ivy's a talented passer. I think Bancaro, um, especially during that NCAA tournament run, showed some flashes of, of leveraging a scoring ability and just making life really easy for others. And then in my bench... There wasn't really a lot of differences, except I had Johnny Davis on my bench. And then my last two spots, uh, I can't remember who, who who was different than yours exactly, but I had uh, Malachi Branham in there, and I had Jalen Williams in there. Uh, Branham, just because I think he's an NBA ready, ready-made shot maker, and him and Johnny Davis as pick-and-roll operators are pretty advanced for their ages. And then Williams, I just think, is, is versatile and just really, really smart, and, and someone who can – have sort of a multiplicative effect with all the skilled wings you have. So I, I just loaded up on athleticism and skill and savvy. And I think they're a team that could win maybe 12 games. Uh, I don't, I don't know. How do you feel about your squad? Yeah. I was going to say like maybe 15. I don't know. Like they would surprise some people. Um, it's pretty tough to, I mean, you got to remember like 12 games is like almost pace for worst season ever. It's pretty close. As Charlotte, so, Charlotte was something like 12. Yeah. I don't, it went so, 7 and 59 in the, uh, post in the abbreviated year post yeah so i whatever that extrapolates out to it's really close to 12 wins in a full 82 game slate so i i would say maybe like 15 wins i mean they're gonna struggle they're all rookies there's no veteran presence on this team you know it's gonna be like you threw together the g league ignite again you know and just threw them against except for they don't have like jared jack there to like see them across the finish line you know um so yeah i i I think they would struggle i'll just say 15 wins and be kind to them uh, they would not win a lot. You'd be hoping that you could get like Wembenyama the next year or Scoot Henderson or someone like that and really start building the team out sooner than later. Um, you also might just use some of those guys as trade chips. I don't know. Uh, but I also I don't hate your idea of going with like a Jalen Williams. Also, I was going to maybe throw like Usman Diang in there as well as like another like high upside bet. I think that's maybe in this immediate aftermath of this exercise, like my. Only regret is maybe not going for more high upside guys other than like just sharp as far as like guys that might have a vastly different level to them, like two, three years down the line than what they'll come into the league with. 
But granted, there's always guys like that. Like Ivy might have a vastly different, you know, level to himself where he becomes like, you know, I don't know, like John Morant, Donovan Mitchell, like that level of player. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think that's my only regret is maybe not like as crazy as it sounds, that would almost mean taking off someone like Matherin, who I think is going to be really good in the NBA. Uh, and, you know, going with someone like that, who's maybe more of a question mark, but has more like the, the crazy frame and like potential defensive instincts and stuff that just needs to like tighten up their handle and like learn how to shoot in the NBA that you have to wait like two, three years on. Like this is a team that you would not be winning with anytime for the next like three, four years, probably. Um, so I, I think maybe that's my only thing is, you know, yeah. if you're, you're essentially starting like a new Oklahoma city thunder. So <laughs> do, do you think that team wins a title in 10 years? I think that would be an interesting exercise. Because obviously this is just us guessing who's going to mm-hmm. be good, but going back to each draft and saying, if you take the top 10, how, how automatic would that team be to win a championship? Because I don't know. I think with this draft, it's, it's a little dicey, right? Maybe mm-hmm. you get two all NBA guys out of that group and, and you probably get, four or five really solid role players. But with, with, with this year's draft, I don't know if that's a lock by any means. When when there are some years, like like last year's, you, you take the, again, the, the preconceived top 10, and you look at that team now, and you, you're just loaded, right? You, you got mm-hmm. Jalen Green, Evan Mobley, Kate Cunningham, Barnes, and, and Franz Wagner, and they just fit together so well, too. Like, I, I look at that team, and I say, you give me 12 years of that group, I'm winning maybe two titles, maybe three mm-hmm. titles. With this team, I'm not so sure about that. Yeah, I think that the value more so than the the players themselves in this draft would be like you would have to nail it with whoever you got from tanking for a couple years. Like I don't think this team, if these are the only guys you're allowed to have and it's just like you go like pure like NBA 2K experiment and say like all your draft picks are null and void, like you don't get to make any more picks in this core of like the whole lottery mm-hmm. or whatever of the 2022 draft is all you can roll with. Yeah, I don't I don't necessarily think that this team would win a championship or get particularly close. Um, I think, cause I think that this draft, you know, that's what we've heard about the top end of this draft and the middle and everything else. It's like a lot of good role players, but maybe not that like a one star that you need. And maybe Paolo turns into that, or maybe Ivy turns into that. Maybe Holmgren turns into that or Jabari Smith, you know, but like, I, I don't, I wouldn't be betting on that to happen. And you would probably need at least two of those guys turn to all NBA guys for that to happen. And I don't know that I would necessarily see that happening. Um, so you would pretty much just have to bank on like, uh, you know, using these guys to be the good role players when you nail that star, whether it's like Wem and Yama or Scoot Henderson or something like that. Uh, it honestly, it sort of reminds me in a way of like the Knicks core right now, like where it's like, I don't necessarily know that RJ Barrett, Emmanuel quickly and Obi Toppin as a core to a team could win you a championship by themselves, but you insert like an a one star into that without dismantling the whole rest of this group that they've built. And then maybe you're you're talking about something. Uh, so I think that's how I'd probably feel about this 2022 group in the long run. Uh, I'll give you one last pivot question. Would mm-hmm. you trade the entire Knicks roster to have this as your team right now? I think it would be foolish not to. Yeah, I mean, I would. You know, I, I, I believe in the Knicks roster right now, but you get a whole lottery. You know, and let's say that you just hand Walt Perrin the first 14 picks and say build this team. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Yeah, I would do that. I, I would do that in a heartbeat, like, Sorry, yeah. RJ. Sorry, IQ. Whatever. Yeah, I would. Yeah, it. there there are some drafts where it would backfire though, but the majority yeah. you, you would turn out. You're you're out, you're gonna end up with with some some really really good players. Every single draft lottery has a couple all stars in it. So yeah. if you get like three all stars out of your 14 picks, boom, you're in good shape. Yeah. Like, 
and if some of the other guys work out in the role players, you're, you've got a good team right there. Maybe, so, maybe the more yeah. interesting question is how many teams wouldn't trade their current roster for this? It's, it's probably only a couple, but yeah, maybe I top 12 or something, you know, top 12 teams, maybe because some of the veteran laden teams probably wouldn't do it just because they're legitimately competing for championships. Yeah, they don't want to wait 10 yeah. years. Or five exactly. Years. So, but a lot of teams probably would. Maybe not the Thunder. Like the Thunder probably look at themselves. The Thunder, like, this is our team already, man. Yeah. <laughs> we don't like need to yeah. I think Presti would be sniffing his own farts enough to be like, no, I wouldn't do that. But most <laughs> other like rebuilding teams would do it. Um, yeah. But uh, anywho, I just had to quickly let everybody know about Built Bars before we get into our final question for this show. Uh, so don't you guys love chewy chocolatey brownies? What about a caramel brownie with caramel swirled on top? It's so good. What if I told you that you could have all that chewy chocolatey deliciousness plus 17 grams of protein? You're in luck because caramel brownie bars are available at Built.com right now. And you got to act fast because they are a fan favorite. Forget about dessert. These are better than dessert. Plus, the macros are unreal. 130 calories, 17 grams of protein, and only 4 grams of sugar. I would replace a regular brownie with built caramel brownie bar in a heartbeat because regular brownies are not good for you, even if they taste good. These are. The best part, caramel caramel brownie bars are still covered in 100% real chocolate. Like for real, with Built Bar, you don't have to sacrifice tasty for healthy. You can have both. And there are a million reasons that you should try Built Bars. But for now, let's just say the caramel brownie will rock your world. And that is not an understatement. With Built, tasty is the new healthy. Go to Built.com and get your new box of caramel brownie bars now. The best part is you don't have to pay full price. Go to Built.com. And use promo code LOCKED15 and you will get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, Gavin, we are on to our final question. This one is a bit of a doozy. So I will warn you, this is going to be a a bit of a monologue. This is a long question. Uh, Came from D Brown uh, at the mighty D Rock on Twitter. And uh, D Brown wants to know, for the mailbag, was too large to fit in the response section? You're not kidding. D, but it's a good question, so I'll read the whole thing. As documented on on this here platform, I have been a Jaden Ivey enthusiast for some time. However, because pragmatic questions should be asked to counter every notion, depending on how you, generally speaking, feel about Quick being the guy at point guard, coupled with RJ's need for the ball in his hands, does an Ivey-Quick-RJ lineup have potential to be one of those too-many-guys-who-need-the-ball-in-their-hands scenario? Would I be ecstatic if they did something exciting for once and went up without giving up too much and got Ivey? 10,000%. Uh, Do I feel such a way that you take the talent and worry about it later? Sometimes yes, but not always. And this is where I'm a bit more nuanced and say it's easy to say there's there's a good problem, or it's easy to say that's a good problem to have. I say if the word problem is in your sentence, then you maybe are not as well off as you thought. Just some food for thought that as much as I've wanted us to get Ivy, maybe it's not so bad if we end up with AJ or Dyson or Malachi. This, again, seriously hinges on Quick genuinely being a legit starter going forward or not. And though I pose this question, I do personally feel that the three could coexist. And I'm pretty sure we're all willing, hoping to find out. Um, yeah, I, let's play devil's advocate for a minute, Gavin. Do you think that, the, that there's a chance that getting Ivy on this team and having a, a quickly Ivy RJ lineup could potentially be a scenario where not all the guys can play to their strengths enough because they all need the ball too much. I, there's, there's always a chance, but, but no, would be my answer. I just don't think, and, and, and he, he put this qualifier in, in the question, but 
I don't think IQ or RJ are established enough to start thinking that way where you're like, all right, can we, can we really throw a third guy in there? Uh, and you also don't know what Ivy's going to be. And the, and the fact is that Ivy played off the ball at Purdue and was, was pretty good doing it. And, and Jake was talking about that yesterday, how he can weaponize his speed on off ball cuts. And I, I think just more than anything else, the Knicks really need that injection of athleticism. If I were to build someone to play off of Emmanuel quickly, I would want Ivy, especially with Quickly's newfound ability to win off the dribble. I think that would be a terror for opposing defenses, especially if Ivy's jump shot translates at a high level to the NBA. I think Ivy would be incredibly good for RJ in transition and giving RJ head starts when he just shoots by his guy and then the defense is rotating over and he's swinging out to RJ on on either wing. And RJ, for probably the first time in his career, would consistently be attacking defenses in rotation instead of trying to bully his way through three or four guys in a static defense. I, I think Ivy makes a lot of sense. Do I think he's a perfect fit? No, just because the Knicks are perpetually, I mean, especially if they're if Julius Randle's still starting a power forward, even maybe even more so if Obi Toppin's starting a power forward, the Knicks perpetually need shooting. So in that sense, Ivy isn't completely proven in that aspect of his game. Maybe it's a slightly iffy fit, but I, I think his athleticism more than offsets that. And I think he would make life easier for IQ and RJ more so than more difficult. But what about you, Alex? Yeah, I also don't really worry about it too much. Um, I think my main reasoning is that, I mean, maybe I worry a little bit that Ivy would have to find ways to become useful without the ball because he, although he wasn't even necessarily like handling the ball that much at Purdue either. Like Prez notes this all the time, but like they ran sort of a weird system where they're kind of like running their offense through their center. Um, and so, you know, there was a lot of times where like Ivy was sort of like, you know, having to make cuts and stuff like that and not necessarily having the ball in his hands all the time. So he sort of learned how to do that. And that's why, you know, on in terms of RJ and IQ that I'm not too worried is because they, for better or worse, you know, you could say like maybe it's been to their detriment at times thanks to how things have gone with Randall a bit. But for better or worse, they've cut their teeth as off-ball players first and then gotten to get their reps on ball. Uh, so like, IQ got a lot of time with Derrick Rose in his first season, uh, you know, getting to be off ball and having catch and shoot opportunities and stuff like that. And yes, he's handled the ball too and generated his own offense and started to get way better at generating for himself and others at the end of this season. But he still knows how to take a stationary jump shot. He knows how to move without the ball and get around a screen and, you know, take a shot off of that. He's done those things before and he could do that again. And RJ Barrett, same deal. Like he really cut his teeth and like learned how to be a good three point shooter in 2021 by essentially being a spot up guy for most of the year and, you know, just hitting tons of wide open threes that were generated for him by Randall, which was the the better of the, for better or worse arrangement there. And then, you know, RJ then this year started taking over more on ball reps and, you know, being like the primary creator on the team and, you know, working more to, to get buckets on the inside and generate looks for others and stuff like that. So I don't worry too much about it. Like, I just think all you have to do is just have guys that can, survive with or without the ball in their hands. And because of the context of their careers so far, RJ and quickly already know how to do that. So I, it's not like they would have to learn how to give up the ball suddenly. And for that reason, I don't worry too much about an Ivy fit. My biggest thing is, is the other part of, of D's question, which is just like, you know, would the Knicks have to give up too much to make this happen? I, I would care more about giving up too many of the young prospects on the team to move up to create that core of three that maybe isn't a sure thing than I would be of just what the core is in a vacuum. Yeah. Um, I'm in total agreement. I think the, the Knicks are in 
BPA mode to some extent. And I, I think this is where I think it's an f- interesting philosophical question, right? Because I, I always, I've always thought BPA is sort of a misnomer because it's only best player available if he can access all of his abilities in the context of your system, in the context of your roster. And if he accentuates the abilities of the guys already on the team in the context of, of your roster. Uh, but I think Jaden Ivey is not someone I have that concern about. Jake brought this up when he was on, but Jaden Sharp is maybe someone that that's a more realistic concern about. Jaden Ivey, I think he can play with anyone anywhere. When you have that kind of speed and athleticism, those types of passing instincts, um, and and his, his mom, a, a legendary coach, he was he was you could tell he's he, he's been groomed to not be a point guard in the NBA, to be a very savvy player in the NBA. So he's he's not someone I have those concerns about. Yeah, I'm with you, man, and I don't think I really have too much more to add because, again, it, it to me it all just comes down to the price to get Jaden Ivey, but if the Knicks find themselves in a position to get him and the cost isn't too astronomical, I would support the move 100%. I can't – it's hard to even play devil's advocate on it because I just don't see it not working out, to be honest. I think you – I've said all the way back since, I don't know, November, December, like when I first started giving like cursory looks at like the the draft prospects back when Ivy was still in the realistic Knicks range at the time of like seven to eight pick or so – you know, I was saying, like, is there a more perfect prospect for the Knicks than Jaden Ivey? I don't think so. And, of course, that's probably what a lot of other teams are saying, too. And that's why he's moved up in the, into the consensus top four now. Um, but we'll see what happens. But I, I think no matter what, it's a gamble worth taking with Jaden Ivey. Uh, but, Gavin, I think we could probably wrap this show up, this first part of the mailbag. We have some more questions. So there will be multiple parts to this. Uh, we have a, a bunch from our, our all-star question asker, Jordan Bubb who sends us tons of questions for, for the mailbag. So we'll, we'll have some episodes dedicated to some of those questions, but if you're watching or listening to this right now and you still have questions that uh, you know, you thought of while you were listening or watching this, then definitely feel free to go on Twitter at locked on Knicks. We put out a solicitation on there. You could just go answer under that or just tweet us directly, whatever you're feeling. And we'll make sure to include it in the show because we usually try to get to as many questions as we, as we can, if not all of them. So uh in the meantime though thank you all for listening thanks for asking questions and we'll be back tomorrow with another show for you guys but until then peace out talk to you all soon thanks for listening